So the first thing that I recommend is figuring out your MVO, your minimum viable output. So what is the bare minimum that you could commit to in terms of a frequency that feels too easy for you right now? You're listening to the Content Coffee Break podcast brought to you by Your Content Empire. I am your host, Haley Dale. Join me and my sometimes unexpected guests as we go behind the scenes on the strategies and systems that are working right now for online businesses wanting to grow and scale your business using content. If you have a topic or a question that you'd like to discuss, send me a DM over at Your Content Empire on Instagram. I would love to chat with you. And if you enjoy the show, please raise review and subscribe wherever you get your daily dose of podcast inspiration. It makes a big, big difference and it means the world to me. Welcome back to the Content Coffee Break Podcast. I'm excited for this week's episode. I have been scouring for questions for uh, to answer in this show because I wanna make sure that I am responding directly to your biggest content questions. So if you ever have something that you would like my brain on, put my thinking cap on for, definitely feel free to DM me or email me. Um, and you never know, it could be something that we address in an upcoming episode. So currently, Your Content, Your Empire, is underway by the time this episode drops. Um, We will be in our content empire prep school and organizing everything, setting up our content bank, our measurement systems. Um, So that's always just such a great foundation to build the rest of the content empire and content strategy and content systems from by having that baseline kind of organization and creating a really clean slate to build upon. Um, My puppy, Moose, he is just over a year. We are also in doggy obedience school and the woman who runs it, Linda, um, frequently has told us that A, the training is more for us than our dogs and B, that sometimes we're not going to like what she has to say but she's telling us for our own good and she doesn't have time to sugarcoat it. When I heard her first say this for the first time, um, I knew I was going to steal that line for this Q&A episode, even though I'm not really, I will certainly tell you, but I'm going to tell you in a nice way. That's just my style. But I received a huge, huge number of content questions over the years through programs in the DMs. Once I started the show um, from surveys, from the free Facebook group that I've run for a number of years, you name it. And I've polled seven of them that I've seen come up again and again, and I'm going to tackle those ones today, but this will be something that I do in the future too. So like I said, feel free to send me over any questions that you're wondering about. So these are the ones that I hear all the time, and maybe something that you have been wondering about too. Um, and I want to try to do one of these like every quarter or so. So if you've got a question, shoot it my way. Before we dive into the actual questions, I wanted to just go over what they are so that way you can listen and be like, yeah, I am wondering about that or no, I got all this stuff handled. Um, and then you can like move on to something else if you want. So the first question is, how do you outsource writing for a niche topic? How can I make time to get it all done? I can't afford an assistant. Is it possible? to do it all myself. How do you shift from a mindset of this is so much work and to it's a joy for me to create in service of my clients? How do you repurpose and refresh old content without it looking boring or overdone? How do you deal with the chicken and the egg problem of not creating an offer that no one wants, but I need an offer before I can create content, but I need a content to attract the people. Um, And then finally, how much time should I set aside for content planning on a daily, week, weekly and monthly basis. So those are the questions I'm going to be tackling in this episode. So let's dive in. 
This first question came from Patricia Lee and she says, my frustration, how do you outsource writing for a niche topic? I love this question. And just to give you a little background on my agency, we run a content and marketing agency where we create sales funnels and ongoing content for folks. Um, and usually like businesses and brands who are the faces and the voices of their business. Like they are, they have a team supporting them, but really they are like, on the front. And so when we create content, it's more like ghostwriting and it's certainly their expertise. And we could like, I say this all the time, we could study for years and still not know anywhere near as much as they do about their specific topic and what they do. And so we use a process called content interviewing. Um, I have a blog post about it. Um, I'm going to write down here to, I'll put that in the show notes is the blog post on how to do this content interview process. However, I tell my clients to treat it like a podcast interview, which is a little meta as I hear in a podcast interview talking about our interview process for our clients. Um, and I send them over some questions and they're based on questionnaires and going through their existing content. And we always make sure that it's very strategic. And so we come up with these questions to make sure that we get the information, the background information that we need in order to write the email, write the blog post, write the masterclass, whatever it is. And we do it in a way through that content interview process that it is their words. It's their intonations. It is their tone and voice that we're able to capture because of this content interview process. And so I would borrow that if I were looking to niche something um, that was really, if I was looking to like outsource writing that was on a really niche topic, I would borrow that process from us and think about where can I get the person who's going to be writing for me the original source material and where can I prioritize hiring somebody who can think critically about what those questions should be in order to put together an outline and like move that source material into the spots where it needs to be in a way that flows and fulfills the content brief and moves the strategy forward. You can also use this with ChatGPT more and more. Um, we are using it to clean up podcast transcripts. Um, and then from there, once it's done, that original source material and cleaning up that transcript, we can have it do some initial drafts. What were the main points or what are some discussion questions? So you can also be leveraging that. But I think this question comes back to where can you capture that original source material, whether it's just turning on a mic and like content interviewing yourself or having the person that you're outsourcing do a content interview with you. So hopefully that was helpful and gave you some ideas on ways to move forward. The next question is from Jennifer Bly, who says, how can I make time to get it all done? I can't afford an assistant. Is it possible to do it all myself? Another really, really good question here and one that I see come up, especially going into your content, your empire, which is all about like not just the content strategy, but where can we back everything up with systems? And so I can think, I think you probably have an idea of where I'm going to go with this. But first things first, is it something that I tell people to do when they're struggling? They feel like they're creating these really ambitious content plans, or maybe not so ambitious, but it's just ambitious. Like they think they should be able to handle it, no problem. And what they find is they're not able to keep up with it or they're not able to stick with it. Maybe they will for a week or two, but then life gets busy, client work gets busy, that content starts working and you start getting more bookings. So the first thing that I recommend is figuring out your MVP 
O, your minimum viable output. So what is the bare minimum that you could commit to in terms of a frequency that feels too easy for you right now? So maybe that is like, I've been trying to do a weekly blog post, but that's not happening. Maybe you could do a monthly blog post and start there for the first few months. Use it as an opportunity to create systems, create, like figure out your own style and what works for you in terms of creating. And then you can add on more when you feel ready. In the meantime, systems, 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 and automations wherever they work, prioritize that. And then the final thing I will say here is like figure out that MBO, then slowly add on, build the systems and use that as an opportunity to build out systems is also theming and batching. And for me, like I will, I do this thing called the daily content habit. Um, I actually have a little app, the daily content habit app, um, where I provide these prompts, but I will write something every single day. And it's like the way I start my work day. And I use that content, like I will use it for speaking notes. I will use it for outlining this episode. Um, And then I come in on Friday, on Saturday mornings with my coffee before anyone else is awake. And I will record the episode where it's just like me in the morning. I feel like I'm the only one awake in the world. And I love that little time, that little ritual. And so it makes content really enjoyable for me. And I have that rhythm week in and week out. And so I think it's worth experimenting to figure out what your rhythm is going to be. And I would encourage you in particular to think about theming. So sometimes it's very hard to like switch your brain from thinking strategically and planning your content, then move into like creating your content, then move into like producing and writing all the promo copy and the emails and designing the images. And so if you could, could you? instead have theme days. So maybe on Monday, you outline two to three um, blog posts. Then on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe you're writing those and drafting those. And then on Friday, maybe you're finishing them up and doing the promo copy and the promo images with it. So you can think about an experiment with some different rhythms and cycles, but lean into those theme days and lean into those batching um, batching opportunities because I think that could help you get it, do more in less time because you're grouping similar tasks together. Question three comes from Jenny Flanagan, who says, how do you shift from a mindset of this is so much work to it is a joy for me to create in service of my client? I love this because this also, this like reminded me of my book, Your Content Rebellion, and it is all about that, right? Like breaking up with the shoulds and where can you bring the joy back into your content? And so I'm going to pull from that here. And I think the first thing that comes up when you're looking to make the shift or you've recognized it as a problem, and I actually just got off a client call um, with a long, long time client, and she was like, we plan these episodes and I go in to record them. And I'm like, this just feels so boring for me. I feel like I'm pulling teeth and I don't want to listen to this, even though she knows like she's in a really, really technical like financial field that her clients will find that interesting. But we want to find that sweet spot, right, where you have enough joy in the process that it's not going to feel like a chore to show up. And that's really what I think is the key to getting consistent with your content. And so what I recommend is making the output about your clients and about your audience and making the input about you. And what that means is like the input, the process with which I create the content, the frequency with which I create the content, all of the systems and the cycle and the workflow, I make that about me and what I enjoy and where can I infuse joy into that process. Like I was talking on Saturday mornings, I come in with my coffee, I'm the only one awake in the world, it feels like at least. Um, And it is like, 
some of the most joyful like times in my week. It's like that little pause where I get to just like be here with you guys in the sky, in the cloud, in the podcast radio waves um, and chat with you basically. And so where can you find your own joy and infuse that into the process with which you create the content, but we make the output about your audience and how they want to consume the content, what topics they're interested in. And I think that's also another really, really, really good point here is like as much as possible, create like become a detective, become a question hunter. If you are oftentimes the easiest way to shift from this is so much work and it's a joy for me is to feel like you're being helpful. And to do that, you can start responding to actual questions that people are asking, just like with this episode. Um, Again, a little meta. I'm like, interested in all the ways these are tying together, but like responding to actual questions. And in order to do that, maybe set up something like an inspiration bank. So that way you have like, you can start banking these questions and putting down these ideas as you come across them. So when it comes time to actually planning out your content or creating your content, you can just simply go there and pull a question and respond and answer. And I think with those two little shifts, I think it'll be I think you'll be able to amp up the joy and find the opportunities for amping up the joy to create and be of service to your clients or your audience or your customers. Pardon the quick interruption to the episode. I cannot wait to share with you the secret to unlocking consistent content. I want to help you find out how you can finally get consistent so you can build up momentum, get more sales and grow an audience who cannot get enough of your content. It's a one minute quiz. And after you're finished, you're going to unlock your unique key to content consistency. So you can break through the blocks, holding you back from building up momentum with your content. And you'll also get a tailored to you seven day consistency challenge. So you can put whatever you discover in the free quiz into practice and see tangible results from your content and newfound consistency in seven days or less. I've also handpicked some free resources to help you get consistent, including the system that I would most recommend you focus on in order to break through that consistency block. If you want to take the one minute quiz, head on over to www.yourcontentempire.com forward slash quiz. Our next question comes from Corey Pollard, who says, how to repurpose and refresh old content without it looking boring or overdone. Um, I get this question a lot, especially because I talk a lot about repurposing through my program, the minimalist content strategy. And the first thing that I like, the first little bit of like a reality check here is no one is paying that much attention so that if it wasn't boring the first time, it's very likely not going to be boring the second time around. Off the back of this, I get the question of how often can I share the same piece of content? There's no hard and fast rule for it. I will say no more, like for my personal comfort level, I won't share something more than twice a year. So I'll usually leave about six months in between, but I have clients who have like a quarterly, um, like content campaign, a couple of them, and they just run the same ones over and over again because they have a relatively short customer life cycle. Um, and when people are interested in their services or in their solutions, they usually get help with that right away. And then they're moved on to the next thing. And so they can repeat things a bit more often. Um, the other 
thing that comes up here is make sure that anytime you are creating a piece of content, you're answering the question, what is the purpose of this from my perspective? And what is the purpose of this content piece from their perspective? What are they going to walk away with? And so if you fulfill that brief, if you fulfill that purpose, you've done your job. And there is certainly a difference between like evergreen and maybe more timely pieces of content where you are talking about, here are the tools that stuff could get outdated or here is like a walkthrough of how to do this thing with this tool. Again, that could come out, become outdated. Most of the content that I recommend and most of the content that I focus on, especially for those educational pieces, the expertise content that's going to live on my website, I try to think about things that are going to be more evergreen. And so they aren't something that's going to need to be updated every six months or every year even, um, but it's something that is long lasting and it can like stand the test of time. And so with that, obviously, if it needs to be updated and it's incorrect information, you're yeah, there's nothing that is going to look fresh. It's not going to look boring. It's not going to look overdone because it's timely and it's needed. However, if it's evergreen content, one of the things you could do is start thinking instead of like, where can I add more into this blog post? Start thinking sideways in terms of format, not necessarily adding more detail or adding more points because you're right. We don't want to create something that is like, wall of text overwhelming for people to dive in and consume that piece of content. We're still always thinking about, like I said before, make the output about your audience and if short and sweet blog posts or short and sweet videos are their thing and what they have time for, you won't necessarily want to keep adding more and more and more and more to the point that it becomes overwhelming. And so what could you do instead of thinking, where can I add more? Maybe if it was a video, you're like, okay, I'm going to create a podcast for version of this, like an audio version that they can listen to on the go, or I'm going to use this as a basis to create a video, or I'm going to add in, I'm going to use this to create an infographic that sums up everything that I can put in there. So when you're refreshing, think sideways in terms of format rather than um, adding more and more and more. Our next question comes from Audrey Berry, who says, how do you deal with the chicken and the egg problem of not creating an offer that no one wants, but I need an offer before I can create content, but I need a content to attract the people. Oh my gosh, this question is like everything. And, um, there are some like really good ways that we can tackle this. And there's a few ways that I go to all the time. So the first one option, right? So particular like pathway um, of solving this problem is you could create the smallest version or perhaps a small live version of the offer that allows you to test before you invest in creating like a full-blown signature course. So that might look like it'll take me a couple hours to put together a workshop on this topic that I could run and I could sell for a low cost that I can then turn into a part of that signature program, but it also lets me test and see my messaging around it, who my audience is, and if this topic is something that people are interested in. So that would be like path number one is like distill it down to the smallest version that it can be or some kind of like quickie live version that won't take you too, too much time to put together that'll allow you to test the topic. Another version is like I teach a method of like replacing your editorial calendar with content campaigns and we're creating content anyways, we may as well be leading to your offers, right? In some way, shape or form. And so everything you're publishing should always be leading to an offer. And you might have breather weeks here or there, or you might like marry the strategy with like some other kind of strategy. But for me, like the content campaigns are a really good way to do it. So this is the topic for this offer that I think I want to create. And I want to do a content campaign. So for four to five weeks before I'm launching 
that workshop or I'm launching that offer or I'm pre-selling that offer, I can do like blog posts for that or podcast episodes or videos on those topics. I can also gauge people's responses and engagement with the topics that I'm putting out there and suss out the demand. Now, another really good thing is like maybe do some quickie market research, right? I'm a big fan of like, I think market research is important, but I also don't think it's a really, really, I really think it's a good place for people to procrastinate and stay stuck in the research phase without putting anything out there. And the best research will come when you put something out there and you see if people are actually willing to sign up for it, open their wallets for it, um, and what their feedback and response is going to be. Um, So some of the ways that you can do some controlled and with constraints market research is if you have a list already, you could send a survey to your email list and get some ideas from them and suss out whether that's something they're interested in. If you have a following on social media, you can do some social media surveys on there, some easy low hanging fruit, just like that's a really good like starter. If you have access to a following, like say you're part of a Facebook group, you can always pop some questions in there. And then if you are starting from scratch, you can also do a really controlled ad test. And so you can do click through ads. Maybe you have like three or four ideas that you're kind of like in between and you're not sure which one you want to go with. You could do 50 bucks for each of them and like do a click through campaign for it to see if people are interested in it, um, leading to a blog post and just see what the response is in terms of the number of clicks, the click through rate, um, your cost per unique click as well. That can be another great way to not only build up that pixel and build up that warm audience to perhaps retarget, but also see how they're responding to that particular topic or that particular messaging and angle. Our final question here is from Anna Merrick, who says, how much time should I set aside for content planning on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis? So it depends. It depends on what you want to do. Ultimately, I think you can build any system. Like I said, put you and your joy and your purpose at the center of the input and your customers and your clients and your audience on the output, center them there. But I can share what I do. So in terms of daily, I really recommend doing nothing (laughs) except for maybe capturing ideas that come to you in an inspiration bank or in like the collection points that you can then go and take and put into your inspiration bank. Um, But I think it's like too overwhelming to expect to do something every single day. You might do something like me where you have a daily content writing habit. So once a week, I will come up with like, here are the prompts I'm writing about. Um, And then on a daily basis, I just like write and I have 25 minutes where I write something before I start my day. Um, And it's a really, really good way to make progress and create a ton of content without feeling like you're creating a ton of content and spending a ton of time on it. On a weekly basis, I'm a fan of organizing those incoming ideas. So the ideas that have come to me over the course of the week and putting them in that inspiration bank and organizing them, sussing them out, like detailing them out, taking them a bit further, developing them. And I also like to review and schedule content for the coming week. So even though we batch content quite a bit ahead of time, um, I don't necessarily want to schedule anything because if anything like horrible happens in the world or horrible happen, like something changes, I don't want to have to like, like quickly, like go into reverse and back up, back up, back up. Um, and so keeping your content scheduling fresh, I think is a really good way to do it. And then we have monthly, like plan your little heart out. That is like my sweet spot of like planning. And I want to like, even though I plan my content quarterly, like monthly is when I formalize everything and I 
commit to those topics that I'll be writing about or creating about in the coming month. On a quarterly basis, I think it's a really, really good idea to plan out your launches and your promos, mainly so you leave enough time to prepare for them, but also can see the high level picture of how the content is going to flow and support them. And this is going to look different for everyone. I just share what I recommend and what I do personally. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Oh my gosh. Well, with that, our quickie Q&A episode number one is done. That's a wrap on that. Um, this has been so much fun. So like I said, if you have a question you're wondering about, I would love to give you some quickie Q&A advice here. And just thanks so much for hanging out with me. If you want to discuss this or want to discuss a question, come over and find me in the DMs. And until next time, have a fantastic rest of your week. Thank you for listening to the Content Coffee Break podcast. For show notes, links, and resources, head over to thecontentcoffeebreak.com. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, it would mean so much if you would take a quick moment to leave a review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can catch the next episode right when it drops.